Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com. Here is Jennifer Duplessis. Hi, everybody, and thank you again for joining us today on Mortgage Lending Mastery. I want to welcome a very special guest today. Her name is uh, Dr. Mary Lamia, PhD. And one of the reasons that I asked Dr. Lamia to come on to the show is that uh, she has uh, issued a, um, a beautiful, wonderful book called What Motivates Getting Things Done, Procrastination, Emotions, and Success. And knowing my subscribers and who's listening to this, I know that how we are. We get we, we procrastinate quite a bit, um, and, it, and it all is tied to the emotions that we have and the success that we want, but there's all these fears and getting involved and, and taking action. So her, her passion is encouraging emotional awareness um, so that you can achieve success. So I want to welcome you, um, Dr. Lamia, to our uh, show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's get started with some of the things that um, that you talk about in the book, and and knowing you know how we act as mortgage lenders, you know, primarily listening to us, but how we act as mortgage lenders. Um, what are some of the things that are inhibiting us? What are the, what are some ta- you know what? I just want you to take it away, take it away. Let's start talking well, about what our problem is. First of all. Uh, of all the high achievers I studied for this book and, and did my work and all the patients I've seen over 40 years who have told me about the way they get things done, I have found, found that it boils down to two things in terms of success. People who are successful in their endeavors or their careers, however you want to define success, do two things. They never miss deadlines and their work reflects their best efforts. And this is true for procrastinators and non-procrastinators. Doesn't matter whether you get something done right at the deadline or you get things done ahead of time. If you're successful, you likely never miss deadlines and your work reflects your best efforts. And that's it. Within that, there are those different task completion styles that people have. And what I found is that we generally don't understand why people get some things done ahead of time and why people uh, get things done at a deadline. There are, there are very distinct styles that people have within that. Sometimes people are flexible, but generally people have their way of doing things and it develops since the time they're in third grade. We oh, see really? it in kids. That far <laughs> yeah, we back. See kids. We see it in kids where some kids will come home and they do not go out and play until they do their homework because mm. they just have to get it off their shoulders. They, it, 
bothers them. It creates anxiety in them when something isn't done. And then there are kids who come home and they put it aside and they're going to do it on the way to school or they're going to do it during recess or they're going to do it at the last minute before they go to bed, which drives some parents crazy. But they can put it aside, do other things, but they get it done. The, the question is, do they get it done? So those styles start to develop at an early age. And by the time you get to college, you really see it. Current statistics are, you know, 70 to 95% of students, especially in the Ivy League colleges of all the colleges, uh, it's the Ivy Leaguers procrastinate. Oh, really? Yeah. They're not all failing, so they must be doing something right. So I wanted to take a look at, well, what is the difference? What, is the, what are the differences between these two groups of people? Because when you think of people who are in the mortgage lending business or in real estate or those kinds of careers, especially if you work on commission, one would think, well, if you're a procrastinator, how could you possibly be successful at a job where you have to initiate things? or you have to keep going, or you keep selling. If there are no deadlines, how do you create them? Well, there are many, many tricks highly successful people who procrastinate use that are just amazing to me because I'm not a procrastinator. I'm anything but a procrastinator. I am what I call task-driven. And we task-driven people, when we see something that's not done, we feel compelled to do it. And so why is that? Our emotions are activated by tasks that are not completed. So we see something not done, we have to do it. There's breadcrumbs on the counter or there's a work project. Whatever it is, we feel compelled to do it, and that's because our emotions are activated by tasks. Whereas procrastinators are not activated emotionally by tasks. They're activated by deadlines. So when they have a deadline... They become highly emotional when it's close, and they get something done. Not only do they get the thing done that they have to do, whether it's selling something or completing a project, they also, with the activation of their emotion, do all kinds of other things. So you often hear procrastinators say, when a deadline is close for a project, I find myself instead cleaning the closet or cleaning my house or doing other things that haven't been done or paying all the bills I haven't paid. And that's because their emotions are activated and if they're not really distracted by these other things, they're using their emotional energy close to a deadline for another project to do all the other things they haven't done. They're amazing people. So... My book is basically about emotions and how emotions motivate us to get things done and how they motivate us differently. In fact, we are who we become from our emotional memories that we accumulate throughout our lives. You know, our beliefs, our convictions, religious practices, you name it. Those all come from the accumulation of emotional memories. How we respond to a certain situation, our personality traits, are from our emotional memories. And that's why people right. get pretty solidly ingrained in how they do things. Yeah. So is there a way that, um, I mean, my mind's just going crazy right now. Um, it's amazing how just, you know, a few paragraphs of your comments here can get me spinning uh, because obviously you're probably already recognizing that I'm a never-miss-deadlines girl. I'm very task-oriented. 
Um, oh, you're very task. I mean, are you very task driven? Well, procrastinators oh, don't very task driven. I don't either. wait. I don't. Wait. You don't and, wait. Oh no. So people no, no, who no. so people who delay often drive crazy. People who do things ahead of time. I the, I we e, don't that would be my it. husband. <laughs> right. Aww. So I was going to talk. Yeah. Or maybe so you'll I understand ask it you, better. Right. So I wanted to ask you like a couple different things about this and maybe, you know, you can, so let's just, I, I want to keep on the emotional May I interject here before... just one, one thing first, just yep. to save your husband here. Missing yeah, right. a deadline. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've been married 34 deadline. years. It's, it's safe. Or, but, or uh, failing, if you fail to do the work adequately or you miss a deadline, that's a problem whose source has little to do with procrastination. People right. who miss deadlines and say it's because they are a procrastinator are, are, are using that as an excuse in order to save face because people who fail have experienced shame throughout their lives and they don't know what's going on with them emotionally and they don't look into it because if they blame it on procrastination, it really obscures what's really going on. It's not Diversion. a problem with procrastinating. It's a problem emotionally otherwise. And so, you know, we're, we are very, very motivated by shame to save face. So when we huh. feel shame, we do anything to restore our image. And that's huh. one of the the real upsides of the emotion of shame is that it motivates us to restore our image. So we do something. People who miss huh. deadlines restore their image often with an excuse. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So that, that so, I just wanted to throw in there. Yeah. So if we keep that on the emotional side, you know, like more on the personal side now, before we go into the business part of it, you know, if you, um, if you are working well, I have two questions. One is, can you change, can you recognize if you're saying this is at, at let's say for example, you have, and cause I have a son, a son and a daughter-in-law and they have two baby girls, right? Are you able to change the way that someone will behave? So if you recognize that someone is a procrastinator as they're getting in second or third grade, are you able to change some habits to help them along? That's question one, because I know when I was in college and I even have a cousin, I just told uh, two weeks ago, she's going to college this fall. And I said, she said, what advice do you have for me? And I said, study on Friday night. Just you're in the pattern, you're in the rhythm, study on Friday night, enjoy your weekend. And don't be one of those people that are trying to study on Sunday after they had a night of, you know, partying and all that stuff, because you're not going to remember the information that you learned last week. So just keep your rhythm going. Right. And, and so I, when you said, you know, about, about the last minute thing. And um, so is there a way to change the pattern of a child? That's number one. Number two is when you're working, when, you, when you're trying to work with a spouse and let's say that I'm, I'm the number one type of person that gets things done, it's very task oriented, get it done, get it done. And I see him kind of him hawing around. And I'm like, Hey, um, you still haven't done that. Is it, is there a better way that I can work with him rather than to create um, tension between us by saying, you still haven't got it done. You still haven't gotten it done. I'll just do it myself. Is there a way for me to just let him do whatever he's going to do and just tell him the trash needs to be taken out by five o'clock and just not worry about what he's doing until five? Because I'm constantly saying it's 3.59, it's four, it's 4.01, it's 4.02. You still haven't taken out the trash. You make me laugh, Jennifer. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is... 
This is why I devoted an entire chapter of the book about relationships between deadline-driven procrastinators and task-driven non-procrastinators because they get into so much trouble not understanding one another. For example, you could tell that person um, they should be getting everything done on Friday night, but if they are a true deadline-driven procrastinator, that's not how they can do it. You, You know, see... My my goal in this book was not to change anyone. I don't want to change anybody. I just want them to be better at what they do already. Because okay. you cannot Great. change an entire lifetime of emotional memories that somebody has that created who they became. But you can you can optimize who they are and how they do things as long as they don't fail. That's that's the point. There's a big difference between procrastinating and failing. You uh-huh. know, the, the definition of procrastination is to put something off intentionally. It doesn't mean you don't get it done. So your husband would say, I assume, I will take out the garbage on my own uh-huh. time. But it's not going to uh-huh. be your time because that garbage that's not taken out is going to bother you until it's done because you're task-driven. It, it Because it garners your attention because it's an uncompleted task. It doesn't Correct. grab his attention. When you think about it, the reason you want it done is because your emotions are activated by a task and emotions make us pay attention. That's their purpose. We have emotions, evolutionarily speaking, we have emotions because they draw our attention to certain things. So, for example, if you you are in a threatening situation, you will experience fear and it motivates you to do something. It makes you pay attention to the source. Yeah. And so task-driven people are constantly attending to, to tasks that pull them in, that draw them in, that activate their, their emotion, mostly the emotion of anxiety. Now, yeah. that's another whole can of worms because anxiety is a very complex emotion and it yeah. and there's different kinds of anxiety. But you you are talking about being task driven as though it's better. And that's what uh-huh. we task driven people do. We of think course we early do. birds get the worm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it is such a um judgment we make uh-huh. and we shame procrastinators. You haven't taken out the garbage yet. You should have done that. Shame on you. (laughs) Shame on you. Right. (laughs) Or or why aren't you selling more now? Why are you waiting until the 30th when, you know, we're closing the accounts for the month or whatever we're doing? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. there there is nothing wrong with doing it at a deadline as long as you get it done. Uh And, and. People who do not procrastinate often think that procrastinators have all this stress because they see how they behave at a deadline, this frenzy of activity in a deadline, at a deadline, mm-hmm. and they think or say, well, if you had gotten everything done earlier, you wouldn't uh-huh. be scrambling at the last minute. Does that sound shame, familiar? Shame, shame, shame. Shame, shame, Right, right. And now let's ask ourselves, you know, the... What makes people stressed out? It's actually anxiety, and it's the combination of the uh, the core emotions of distress and fear. And distress and fear 
combine and make people feel anxious and stressed out. It's highly intense but time-limited experience for procrastinators because they feel it all at a deadline and they don't feel it before. That garbage is not causing your husband any stress beforehand. And for task-driven people like us, because any uncompleted task garners our attention, we feel stress all the time. So is it more stressful to experience time-limited intense burst or a continuous level of anxiety? There's actually current research that in and of itself, stress is not harmful to us. We used to think it was, but it actually isn't. How one responds to stress determines whether or not it's harmful. So what's harmful to one's health is the belief that stress is harmful because negative stress or distress becomes harmful when it's magnified. So if you feel stressed out and you become distressed by that feeling, it becomes bigger or more distressing, and that's not good for us. Right, right. Well, you know, one of the first questions... I was going to ask you is, you know, is this an organizational issue? And I've already answered my own question. It's not that they're unorganized. It's that, you know, the patterns in their life are are just totally different. And that's why I become a nag. He he would say he's completely organized and he knows where everything is, even though it may be in piles everywhere. Right, right. But that, that gives me angst because... I'm I'm going, oh my gosh, it's a mess, it's a mess, it's a mess. So we have to so how how do we so kind of bridging this into the business world as well, knowing that, you know, we have I have people on my team that are very much like that. It just frustrates me. I give them a deadline. Like for example, I have a, a situation right now. The deadline is tomorrow. By tomorrow, one of my assistants has to make ten appointments for me. Okay, in this one area. And there aren't 10 on my calendar right now. I think they should be, there should be 10 right now. There should have been 10 three days ago. I gave him three weeks to do this, right? <laughs> Why aren't the 10 done in the first two days? And, you know, it, it just gives me, again, this and that, that's a, because he's that's a perfect yes, example. I know. So how do we work with that? Yeah, how do we work with that? Well, see, if we use the neutral standard that deadlines are always met, and the work uh-huh. reflects the person's best effort. You can't evaluate his performance until tomorrow. Right, correct. Right. And if he I has can bug 10, him though, I have. And I have. Be, but see, you've got to recognize it's very, very important that people with either motivational style understand how the other motivational style works. If we uh-huh. understand emotions and how they motivate us and how they motivate us differently, then we could work with people and get their style without judging it and without becoming anxious ourselves. So, I mean, he probably gets anxious and doesn't like it because you bug him. Oh, of course. I know because my husband but, like, but again, does the same thing. Yeah. For every single situation, whether it's a kid, an employee, a coworker, a spouse, a partner, the two criteria, does it get done and is it good work? Uh-huh. So if you have 10 appointments on the books tomorrow before that deadline, Oh, and, and I don't get. Okay. No, but, but right. But see, do you see how you're anxious? Yeah. Because he's not. Yeah. And people resonate yeah. like that. And task-driven people often take on the anxiety that should, they think should be with the procrastinator, but they don't recognize how it works for the procrastinator. And and so what what you try to do next month is to say. 
that is if he's successful this month, if, mm-hmm. if he's been successful in the past. Has he been successful in the past? No. Oh, see, that's, that's different. Why, yeah, that's why but if, I, if know, somebody I, I get a little is, more strict on this one. Yeah. See, failure is different than delay. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between failure and delay. If you fail to meet a deadline, then you have to look at what's getting in the way of your success. And that is not a deadline-driven style. Failure is not a deadline-driven style. And that is unacceptable and needs to be worked with. Um, Uh And the person needs to take a look at what interferes with their success. And it's not about delaying. And delay is always an excuse, but it's failure. So if you have somebody who does get those 10 appointments on the books at the last minute, then you have to remind yourself to trust their process. Right. But that's not procrastination. And that's what I try to explain to people in the book is what is the difference? Because emotions motivate us. And if they don't motivate you either at a deadline or ahead of time to get something done and to do it well, then you have to take a real close look at what's actually getting in the way. Uh Uh Yeah, and I know what's getting in the way with this person, you know, but at some point, I can't let this get in the way. I mean, it's a job. You have to, you have right. to. Right. And you're, if you're an employer, you have to take a close look at people and say, do they get it done or don't they? And that's the bottom line. And do they do it yeah. well? You know, a lot of task-driven people may get, get things done early, but that doesn't mean they do it well. Often Correct. they do things just to get it off their plate rather than do a highly effective job. And so mm-hmm. task-driven people fail, too. Yeah, of course, of course. So if someone's listening and they're not me and they're not a task-driven person and they're more of a procrastinator, but they're the lead on a team and they have people that are task-driven, let's say, so what kind of angst are they going through if we reverse this to make sure that everybody understands, you know, this isn't a, a counseling session for me, this is for everybody, right? So what is it What is it that someone in the reverse situation can do to motivate their team um, and maybe, you know, reduce some of their anxiety as well? I mean, what are, what are some of the things that we okay. can guide there on that way? Now, you just said a key word term here, reduce Uh their anxiety. Uh People believe that they need to get rid of their negative emotions. Uh They need to medicate them, drink them away, get rid of them, meditate them away, walk them away, do something to get rid of negative emotions. You know, actually classifying emotions as positive or negative has nothing to do with their value but instead involves how they motivate us through the way they make us feel. So negative emotions like distress and fear and anger and disgust and shame motivate us to do something to avoid experiencing them, or they urge us to behave in ways that will relieve their effects. So we often get something done to relieve ourselves of the effects of our anxiety. So anxiety is there to help us. Our negative emotions help us because we seek relief from them. Essentially, human beings are motivated to do something based on their desire to turn on emotions that are positive or to turn off negative ones. It's a fundamental principle about how we function emotionally and about how we get things done. 
So, well, and I imagine, you know, not to deviate from work, but just for a second, I imagine this has to do with, you know, uh, infidelity, alcoholism, um, you know, whatever, whatever addiction you might have, this has this most likely has something to do with that as well. It's not. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. the avoidance of negative emotion yeah. uh, often leads people to to d- do very highly stimulating activities like addiction, uh, shopping, infidelity, yeah. shopping, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, certainly, and that's and that is not understanding your emotions, but but reacting to them in a way to get rid of them or to create excitement to mask them. You know, many, many people who do those things are actually depressed and they don't know it because they're stimulating themselves in certain ways so that they could avoid feeling what they do or as they do. Yeah, yeah, I understand But that that aside, so, okay, you have these people who, um, let me see, your example was... uh, Deadline-driven procrastinator who works with task-driven people. And was yes. that what you were? Yeah, asking? yes, that's correct. Yeah, they they're the lead. So, you know, in my case, um, I'm the I'm the uh, task-oriented. So I want something done by a certain date, and I'm frustrated why it's not getting done in advance, right? And of course, if he fails with it, that's a whole other issue that needs to be addressed. But let's flip that. Now I'm a manager who is um, deadline-driven, and I have a bunch of task-oriented people. How how does that affect that relation? I mean, I guess what I'm thinking in that is, um, well, I have enough for them to do, <laughs> one, right? Because they're going to get it done really fast. And two is, will I need as a deadline-driven uh, procrastinator to carve out time on a deadline, I'm sure, to ensure that the quality of the work is done? I mean, what, so what well, are some of the things I need to be aware of? Many of the managers, uh, presidents, CEOs uh, I interviewed who were heavy-duty deadline-driven procrastinators had ways to manage their team that were amazing to me. Uh, For example, one of the things that they're particularly good at is is if they have a lot of task-driven people working for them, these task-driven people are doing little bits and pieces of the project, but the deadline-driven procrastinator puts it all together at the end. Ah. They are so effective at doing that. So one of the things they do is they have all these people doing these little bits and pieces and all their task-driven <laughs> little employees. Yeah. Yeah, are, are do, they're finger doing pointing. a little bit of the project. Do this, do that, do this. Uh-huh. But if you want to put together a proposal at the end and you are deadline driven, you are perfect at doing that. They're really great at doing that. With the resources and the data that someone else gathered. You know, go find Absolutely. out how many people do this. Done. Absolutely. And, and okay, got it. it. And to let it be known, the the ones who are highly effective at, at managing organizations, I found, let it be known that they are deadline driven, and that all these little things have to be done beforehand, and somebody else is going to do them. But to their employees understand that there's going to be a lot of stress at the midnight hour. Uh-huh. That that it's all going to be put together in the end, and. People are going to be scrambling because the deadline-driven manager needs a lot of things, and they have people do them. Um, But there also are other ways in which highly effective managers structure 
employees and their relationships when uh, they know there are different motivational styles. For example, a lot of deadline-driven procrastinators uh, construct a deadline by interjecting other tasks that require attention, and uh-huh. therefore thereby they limit the available future time so they know that, so their anxiety gets activated sooner rather than later. Um, They make to-do lists that they resolve to get through by the end of a day or a week. Um, They narrow the time again. Okay. Um, They have all kinds of little tasks that I mentioned in the book to create. uh, They have all kinds of little, little tricks to create absolute deadlines when there isn't one. Uh, For example, a lot of people I studied whose income is based on commission or project completion had ways to construct absolute deadlines. Um, They raised their level of anxiety by uh, having this, well, fear of failure, and we can get to that. They create anxiety by worrying about the possibility that they're not going to make the money, so it keeps them going. You know, there's various ways you could activate uh-huh. anxiety that gives you the octane to make you move. Gotcha. You gotcha. know, so, so there's lots of things that people do. It's not that they just sit and wait for a deadline. They create deadlines. They like to challenge themselves, too, to, by constructing a deadline, 30-minute intervals to get as many things done as they can or whatever they do. They, the successful ones have ways to make false deadlines, and they're really not fooling themselves. They they create it, and it raises their level of anxiety. And anxiety is our friend. It is the octane that fuels our motivation Emotions, to get something done. Yeah, to get things done. So if we go back to the previous example, and, and not using me, but so that was a, a beautiful explanation of how that kind of person works. And as you were talking through it, I'm thinking this manager is that kind of person. This one's that kind of person. And I think they would be more effective if they delegated a little more. Um, you know, and, I, and in my role at my company, I'm very involved in, in everyone's um, you know, personal and professional growth. So I'm seeing ways that I can help them understand how to work a little bit better. So if, can you give us, you know, as we... Yeah, but there's a, there's a problem, Jennifer. There's a problem here. That is, all of you highly successful people who manage a lot of others tend to be perfectionists. Mm-hmm. And... Well, I'm, I'm aware of that. I am totally every, aware of that. Every highly successful right. people person I studied had a a big dose of perfectionism and how could you be highly successful unless you had them they you know and there's nothing wrong with perfectionism and I do devote a, a chapter to the pursuit of excellence in the book because because so many highly successful people are perfectionistic and they worry about it and it's not pathological you know they they just tend to set and pursue very high standards and high goals standards. for themselves mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and but since high standards and goals you with with those goals, you run the risk of not meeting them, or you think you're not going to meet them. You're constantly subjected to the thought that you're going to fail and be shamed. The fear of failure, and the fear of failure is such a, a motivating force for successful people. Um, I devote a whole chapter to that because I just think it's a wonderful thing. Fear of failure is actually a cognition. It's a thought. I'm afraid I'm going to fail and be 
humiliated, and so I'm going to work hard. Uh-huh. The emotions involved in a fear of failure have to do with fear and shame. It's shame anxiety. Uh-huh. And shame anxiety is such a huge motivational push for successful people. They are they are driven to achieve based on their avoidance of shame. Is there anybody in the world, would they be lying to you if they said, I don't care what other people think. I don't care. I don't care if I get, if I fail. I don't care if I'm shamed. I don't really care what everybody says. I'm doing it. Are there people like that? Or do you think everyone yes, fits I, into I have these two actually give some. I actually give some examples of people like that in the book when I yeah. discuss how if, if you have a lifetime of memories that have to do with defeat uh-huh. and failure, it's very, very hard to pull yourself up because every time you approach a task, you, what comes up are all the emotional memories of failure. Uh-huh. Every time something happens in the present, whatever, whatever it is, our brain instantaneously scans all of our emotional memories for information in order to provide us with the proper emotion to approach a task. If you've had a lifetime of failure, your emotional memories all tell you to withdraw and avoid, to protect yourself, that you're going to be shamed, that you're going to be defeated again. And so it's very important for people who have failed to slowly build new emotional memories of success so that these are the ones that are activated and accessed by our brain when we go to, you know, approach a task rather than all of those memories of failure. They're still going to be there, but slowly you have to develop successes that you can access. And so So even small successes that... Yeah, but even small successes, things that, yeah, okay. Small so, successes, so any success. And so, so so people who say, I don't care, well, you know, emotions make us care. They're mm-hmm. constructed to make us care. And people who say they don't care are, in fact, experiencing emotions, but their reaction, their response to the emotion they feel is to avoid and and to stay face. Again, it's mm-hmm. it's very shameful to fail, and we don't understand people who fail well enough to help them right. develop those right. memories of success. Right. Yeah. Instead, we right. shame them further. So, so getting back to that, is there? Can you give us an overview as we kind of finish up here? Can you give us an overview of? how a manager, just generically, a manager who is a task-oriented manager can work better with their procrastination or deadline procrastinations. Um, is, there, is there a way that they can work with them? I, I cited what I'm doing specifically with one person, but generally what is a, what is a better way for them to do it, just as you had discussed what um, a procrastination um, leader could do with if, task-oriented people? If you- Sure, if you have deadline-driven procrastinators as employees, it's very, very important to give them deadlines. So rather than meet monthly about their goals, you meet weekly or twice a week regarding their goals. So you give them a goal for the week rather than for the year or the month or three months. It's important to give them deadlines that are close. Because the longer the deadline, the longer they're going to take to do it. They need the deadline. Um, 
to give them, if they work as a team, to give them projects that compile information at the end because they happen to be very good at that, or um, to to give them a to give them a list of what to do that week. So if by the end of the week, all those things have to be done. I mean, there's various things one can do, yeah. but to just be very aware that people who are deadline-driven have emotions that are activated by deadlines, and that will g- help them get things done, and they yeah. need that. The other thing well, is to never is, give oh, extensions. Oh, never yeah, give yeah. Extensions. Mm, I've learned with him not to, and it, I had no knowledge of all of this, and I learned not to, right? The because highly successful can... people I studied had deadline extension fantasies, but they never pursued them. They have this little fantasy, oh, maybe I'll get an extension, but they never pursued them. Just like people like you and I who are task-driven, we have escape fantasies. We may be in the middle of a million tasks to complete or that we feel compelled to complete, and we have these fantasies of escape. Maybe there'll be an earthquake or maybe there'll be a flood or maybe something will happen and I won't have to do any of this. (laughs) But then we let it go and get the thing done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, you know, I was just going to say the one thing that I think helps in our industry, and it's something that everyone balks about, is having a daily um, tracking system. And, you know, everybody, I know if you're listening to this, you're going, oh, my gosh, Jen, I'm rolling my eyes and stuff. But the one thing I think about a daily tracking system is that it feeds both of these because the task-oriented person wants to check off the boxes. I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, done. Give me a star, right? Right. Um, the deadline person has to finish it by the end of the day. So we're right. both accomplishing the same thing, just a different mythology of getting there. Um, yes, there are various you know, a different ways methodology that have of these. getting there. Yeah. And, yeah. So and I, I every, really think almost everyone I studied who was highly successful had some form of a to-do list or tracking system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, so I think. Tracking is is great because it feeds both of those. So if you have, and I'm thinking of my team, you know, just to give examples, I I have a team member who's task-oriented and I have a team member who is deadline-oriented. And both of them use the tracking form very well, but for different reasons. And I I never knew why or anything, but now I do. I'm so much more knowledgeable after listening to you. It's so interesting. Employers never ask people when they're interviewing them for a job, are you... Are you driven by deadlines or do you tend to get things done right away? Mainly because, you know, it wouldn't matter because there is such stigma about being a deadline-driven procrastinator that most people applying for a job are not going to admit they procrastinate. And it's too bad because an effective organization has both kinds of people. Of course. Of course, I can definitely see that. And, you know, maybe that's why my husband and I have been married for 34 years is that we are there a you good go. balance, you know, a great balance yes. for one another. As, as, much as, as much as he hates that I might nag him about something, uh, you know, I'm sure he appreciates that, uh, you know, I made that quick phone call to the doctor and I made that phone call to the vet and I called the roofer and, you know, I mean, all of those things I'm sure he appreciates uh, because he doesn't have to do them. Think about it from an evolutionary perspective. If you were cavemen, 
you might be really good at picking all the nuts and berries for the to store yeah. them away for the winter, yep. and he might be good at the immediate, you know, go out and kill a woolly mammoth kind of thing for dinner. Yeah, actually, I think it's opposite. I I think I'll go out. I'm hungry. I'm going to go kill it. I'll bring it back, <laughs> and then you just take your sweet. You would do it right now it because it takes too long for me to yeah cook. And see, I hate cooking. I love baking because I mix it. I push it in there, I make a thing, make it, you know, I, I set a timer and I make it ding at me and then that's when it's done and I pull it out and do it. He likes to cook. I, I'm a good cook. I just don't like doing it because it takes too long. I have to, have to, you know, figure out when this has to be done so that it ends at the same time as that one's done. He's great at deadlines. The deadline is all the different types of food that are cooked at different lengths all come together at the same time. I get stressed over that. Absolutely now, I have never heard that. that example, the cooking example, but I think that's a really yeah. great one. See, you do understand him. That's why you've been married so long. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's better at you cooking because it. it just stresses me out. Yes, right? exactly. That's Perfect. That's great. Well, listen, what would you like to leave us with? Is it, You know, we've kind of played around with all There's so much of this. I, you know, everybody listening, I encourage you, please buy this book because it um, – you know, we need this. We need this. This is why I bring everybody, people who you would never think can help us in our business can really, really help us understand who we are. So what do you want to, what would you like to leave with us? And it is very, very important to understand who you are and who are the people who you work with. So if we help people learn to interpret the messages their emotions convey and, and help people understand their reactions to them, then they can make the most of the system that helps them get things done and actually motivates everything they do. That's, it's that's very, awesome. very important to understand your emotions and how they work for you. Yep. How can we get a hold of you if you want, we want to get more information? Or someone might even want to say, you know what, I want some counseling here. Um, you know, how do we I get have a hold website. of you? Uh, MaryLamia.com, M-A-R-Y-L-A-M-I-A.com, or WhatMotivatesGettingThingsDone.com. Right, and that's the name of your book, What Motivates Getting Things Done. I love it. Yes. I love it, absolutely. I want to thank you so much um, for, you thank changed you for even me. my opinion today. I, I'm, you know, while we're recording this, I'm at, um, at our lake house, and I'm with my family, and uh, toys are everywhere with my grandchildren, my three-year-old and, and two and one, one and a half-year-old grandchild, everything's everywhere. And I have And let's anxiety. see if you could refrain from picking them up. That's right. That's right. And I have anxiety, yes. right? So, so I'm learning. Given people. How can I enjoy my weekend? I can enjoy my weekend so much better. Yeah. Because we learn, we learn to tell ourselves, I don't have to do it right now. My emotions are telling me to get it done right now, but I can decide what I do with what I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for me, for someone like us that, and you know, it seems like that goes along with a personalities too. It's kind of an oxymoron. Procrastinators um, have them too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. They're type I'm A sure. in their well, own thank, way. Thank you so much for uh, giving us so much information and so much knowledge about how to, you know, level up ourselves in a variety of ways. I really appreciate it. And I know that, um, you know, our listeners will be listening to or reading your book. I know I'm going to get it um, ordered. I read a ton of testimonials uh, before the podcast and, you know, I can't wait to order it and, and just dig in and uh, point to my husband because <laughs> that'll be my thing to do is got to tell him, got to tell him right now what's going on here. So you thank you so him. much for 
for the taking the time with us. We really appreciate it. And I would just want to remind everybody, please go on to iTunes and write a review. Keep our keep our podcast on the top there. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, as many of you do, and I will be happy to answer them for you. Go out and make it a great week. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.